What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. As always, it's brought to you by FMF Racing. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and this particular podcast is brought to you by the Collective Experience. And of course, with that, the only person I can have on the show for that to start things off would, of course, be the sole proprietor of the Collective Experience, the big boss with the hot sauce, and he is my brother from another mother, goes by the name of Dave Drakes. Dave, how's it going? Pretty good, man. That's a hell of an intro, dude. I got to live up to that thing now. Oh heck yeah, <laughs> we're we're rocking and rolling. We're we're uh, uh, knocking things over like an eighteen wheeler. We're coming in hot because uh, yes, the motocross industry uh, got a little dose of uh, um, retro Americana from from years past this last weekend. I think everyone's pretty excited about it. I know I am. And uh, but before uh, we get too far into that, say. Um, I can't get a press credential. Say I can't uh, attend press day and all these races, and I can't uh, get close to the, the sport that I love so much. What would you say is the absolute best way for me to get the most collective experience of a uh, professional motocross race? I would say to give us a call, man, because that's that's exactly what we specialize in. You know what I mean? Is getting fans like you, like you and I, just super super immersed in the sport and. Um, and really get behind the scenes and, you know, kind of obtain those, uh, those one-off um, experiences that, that you really can't get anywhere else. So um, that's, that's our mission is just to bring fans closer to the sport that we all love. And, um, you know, at, at any given race weekend, we've got people shadowing their favorite riders, getting an opportunity um, to, to really see what it's like on the other side of the curtain to be able to touch the bikes and hang out with the riders and hang out with the staff, meet the gear guys, you know, walk the track, um, kind of, kind of, um, just, just live it up like, like they're an industry member because, you know, you know, in all sense of the word, they are for the day. They are team members. They are with us for the experience and they make them feel like they really have stake in this thing. Um, and, you know, and what we try to do is, you know, even if you aren't able to attend, we still try to have opportunities where people can still kind of get that behind the scenes view, um, you know, through our interactive Facebook groups and um, some of the experiences that we have where people can just, you know, sit in the couch pretty much and still feel like they're there with us through awesome content, through all these cool goodie, ba- goodie bags that we send them. So uh, we try, really try to cater to everybody and make sure that, you know, everyone has an opportunity, whether you can attend the race in person or not, um, to, to experience that behind-the-scenes kind of feel and, and really be more part of the sport. So, um, yeah, something we're really proud of and something we're bringing back to 2019, and we're hoping to, uh, to launch it off in a big way. Back in black for 2019. Looking forward to it, my friend. And uh, yeah, like I, I see your um, experienced members enjoying this on a weekly basis, uh, and like uh, as fans, we often think like, how cool would it be to hang out with like the Seven Deuce Deuce, Brandon Shar, um, a, a number of the guys that you guys that you've you've had on, whether it's Henry Miller, um, and, and, and it's a long list of guys that you've worked with in the past. Well, here's your opportunity. You want to be a fly on the wall when uh, when those guys are discussing race lines. You want to discuss uh, what kind of lit kit uh, Seven Deuce Deuce is going to come out with uh, on uh, on Anaheim One. Like 
you're going to be part of those conversations. You get to be that fly on the wall when those guys are having a good moment, having a bad moment. You get to experience everything. It's a collective experience, and you can only get it through the collective experience. XP.com? Yes, yes, sir. Yes. Uh, check yeah. that out. Get all the information. Sign up and uh, and experience Supercross or Motocross like uh, like never before. Get that happening right now and an event like we that we've like we've never like we're not we've seen before but we like every single year there's a new wrinkle to it and this year we spun the clocks back we went two strokes only red bull straight rhythm this uh this event is nothing but fun these guys it, it's what brings these uh the 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 heroes from yesteryear back out and like it, it has to be serious fun for those guys to ride and uh and and put their, some competitive juices into it because if it wasn't they would not uh they would not come out but it was Ryan Villapoto it was Ryan Dungey Stank Dog was in there and we might get to him a li- in a little bit um du- uh Mike Brown was, of course, there, but I'm pretty sure if, if there was a fair race in Kansas this weekend, he'd race that too. Um, it's just uh, it's, an, it's an amazing event. There was two strokes uh, smoke in the air, and uh, I, I have to pat myself on the back for picking the winner right when my good friend uh, Jim O'Neill uh, texts me on the Saturday night or Saturday morning, who's, hey, who's going to win this thing? And I said, it's got to be Shane McElrath. He's the fastest guy on two wheels there right now as far as just pure skill and actually is sharp riding and uh yeah and, and i think he pr- rides pretty well on a, on a 252 stroke so uh, i i'd like to pat myself on the back and predicting that uh that victory right there and he did the night my bracket was way off so yeah i wasn't as successful as you were <laughs> i needed some of that magic man absolute now now let's uh and also not to mention uh, that 125 class. It was also uh, Carson Carson Brown ripping it up, Luke Rensland, and a good friend of yours who we're going to invite on the podcast just shortly. Uh, AJ Catanzaro uh, shows up looking uh, like a, a complete tribute to James Stewart, the 259 in your program, number one in your hearts, even had the leopard print gear. Tell us how that all came together. Oh, man. It, it was actually it was just a you know dream come true. You know, um, you're talking to probably one of the biggest you know, James Stewart fans ever, and I'm claiming that one. Um, and, to, you know, just to be part of a team where we got a chance to replicate one of his, you know, his legendary kits and, and his bike and this, you know, iconic era that was James Stewart, um, it, was, it was amazing. And honestly, the whole thing just stemmed from a conversation. I think it was uh, um, a few days before, a few days after the South Lake National, and we were just hanging out with AJ and a few guys in the, in the crew. And, um, you know, like, hey, man, it'd be cool to kind of do straight with them, you know, and, and you know, we've never really done that race and it might be cool to check it out, you know, kind of a West Coast five. And, um, you know, it's just a, just a small idea, just like throwing it out there. And then, you know, one thing led to another and we started to get more serious talking to this guy and, you know, race promoters. And, um, you know, we ended up finding a, a bike um, from Spencer Luxac and um, he had an absolutely cherry KX125 that um, we definitely had to get, you know, get AJ on and, um, you know, we ended up getting the custom gear and flying out to uh, to Spencer's family's place and made some great video edits. Amazing facility those guys have, and um, yeah, it just it just all trickled down to um, you know what you saw Saturday night, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. This is probably one of the most fun projects that we've been a part of, and um, it was no pressure. It was relaxed. It was all for the fun, all for the love of two strokes, and kind of throwing throwing it back to the to the heydays of two strokes. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I, I hope we get a chance to do it again next year. 
Absolutely. Well, with that, why don't we uh, call that clown up, the uh, the tall, lanky bastard that he is. Love to have uh, AJ <laughs> Catanzaro on the show. The guy uh, is a, is a, uh, a student of the sport. He, he gives back to the community, and he's always a pleasure I'll have on the show. How about we call that guy up and uh, include him yeah. in that conversation? What about that? Yeah, if we have to, we should, huh? I guess we should. The guy <laughs> did do a tribute to your favorite race. Yeah. We're going to throw it to commercial he, yeah. right Right here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by the Collective Experience and, of course, FMF and the Fast House. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go, put our middle fingers off with a smile, and let it roll. not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. Do it my way and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and I'm got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s. That's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. Don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point, and kind of realizing let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert, and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is going to break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. And we're back, Big MX Radio Podcast. We appreciate you not fast-forwarding through all of our brand-new ads for 2019. Please listen to them. Please support the sponsors of Big MX Radio. And now, returning to the show, his sixth appearance on the Big MX Radio Podcast show in as many years that we've been race- we've been doing this podcast. In fact, it's been four years doing the podcast, and I believe... AJ Catanzaro was within the first 20 episodes, now this being episode 631, 
And uh, AJ Catanzaro, otherwise known as the James Stewart wannabe. AJ, welcome to the show. 631 episodes? Yes, sir. Wow, impressive. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us. Of course, we've got Dave Drakes as well on the show. He's going to be helping break us down and kind of just, he'll be your like straight up hype man for this whole scenario of you showing up the 259, everyone's uh, dream scenario of finally getting that motorcycle back on two wheels uh, and in front of a, a crowd of people. Um, before we talk about Red Bull Straight Rhythm, how does this all come together with you as far as riding this bike? Uh, you're, you're, of course, very familiar with Kawasaki's, grew up on, on green, still raced green up until uh, this, this last year with, uh, with the Rockwell guys, as well as doing your own stuff on the, on the East Coast. Um, like, how, how, did the, how did you get approached for this? How did it all come together? And uh, how excited were you to ride a KX125? Yeah, it actually came together, I think it was me, Dave, and uh, Jason Cavanaugh, who uh, owns Rap Racing. Yes, we were sir. just pretty sure we were just sitting out to lunch and we just, somebody brought up the idea. I've always wanted to race straight with them. For me, I think it's right up my alley. I like to jump. I like to just time rhythms and not that I don't like to corner, but I would say in Supercross that it is probably my biggest weakness. Um, and it was brought up as an idea, kind of floated around for a little bit. I didn't know who to contact. It, I, I don't know if you were able to tell. It's very hard to find information on straight rhythm, like up until three weeks before the event. Yes, it is. I couldn't find who the heck the promoter was. I couldn't find anything. So I finally got the promoter's information, um, and I called up Jeremy, who, by the way, is amazing. Once Jeremy's I got in touch with Jeremy, yeah, yeah, Jeremy's awesome. Super passionate about this, just doing this whole event and doing it right and especially this year, like as soon as we talked and started brainstorming on the phone, very first call, him and I almost simultaneously came up with the idea to do the 259. Um, and then from there, honestly, I was like, oh, I don't have a bike, but I'll figure it out. And in true AJ fashion, everything kind of came together and it, it was amazing. I think we were sitting at dinner after it was all over and it just it didn't really quite hit at that point but it's like it's amazing that an idea just at a dinner table can turn into something turn into what it did and what it turned into oh, yeah. was just an absolute fan fest dave you can speak to this uh just the the elation on people's faces when they see the the leopard print gear they hear that kx125 they see the 259 the bubblicious butt patch from uh, uh, Patched MX, like this whole thing all comes together. It's kind of out of a dream that uh, that people would uh, be able to experience this again. Um, AJ, we had you on to to talk a little bit about uh, just going like riding that bike and 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 talk and like going out to Utah. Like Dave, when you when you see this thing, obviously it's it's not uh, James Stewart behind the controls, but it's just got to give you chills. Yes, no? Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, I texted AJ. Um, I think yesterday, you know, there's a few instances when he would kind of drop in off the start and kind of get a scrub going where it's like, holy shit, man, if that's not James Stewart, man, you know, just for a split second where you see the 259, the Cowie, you start hearing the, the engine revving, um, you see the leopard print, and, you know, you, um, you just you see that, that aggressive riding style. Um, it, it brings you back, you know, it really it makes you feel like, holy shit, you're watching James Stewart again, you know, and, um, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, talk about fan fest. I mean, we had a ton of people just – 
just asking a million questions about the bike and liking the gear and taking pictures and, you know, reminiscing about James Stewart stuff. And, um, it was, it was super cool. I mean, it, it really brought a, a good feeling around, especially for a time on the sport when, you know, so much JS7 content is, you know, is, is, is wanted. Um, there's, there's, you know, definitely a drought of that and anything that, you know, brings people back to like that James Stewart era or, um, anything revolving around James Stewart. I mean, people eat it up and it was, you know, and, and we're the same. We were, we're all over it. We're, watching YouTube videos and getting geeked out on that stuff. So um, it, it, it was great to see. It was very, very, um, very, very much needed. Absolutely. And it all came together as good as it can. I, I feel like the, the bike looked great. Uh, AJ, you, you obviously got second in this, uh, this event, which is uh, a, a, just a, a huge uh, feather in your cap to, to race against uh, guys who spend a, a decent amount of time on 125s, making that quick transition yourself. Um, I did notice from, uh, from your social media there was uh, uh, a ton of uh, positive reaction. There was also a fair bit of weird negative reaction of, that was more directed towards a brake line than anything else. Uh, tell me a little bit about finally getting on the motorcycle, enjoying it, and then uh, all of the fodder that uh, that followed once uh, the video was out and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, for an 04, and I've been saying this for uh, 2004, I mean, I couldn't have been on a better bike. I have to be on one something of those. that was to be on some and, and stock. It's I, I hated that bike stock. I think I'm pretty sure Dave. Dave, what year was yours that I bought? My first ever one uh, That was an 05. 03, 04, I 05. Liked. That was 05. You liked it? I, I liked it. Liked it. it was a, <laughs> I, I, worst bike I ever owned. Thanks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, wrote it, I wrote it for like a week, and I, I really, really didn't like it. Um, and I went right to 250S. So really in my career, I didn't spend much time on a 125. Um, hang on. Let me stop pedaling so I don't start heavy breathing here. Whatever. <laughs> but, but the more it started to set in and like, watching everyone around me, even on the modern bikes. Yeah, I think they had a horsepower advantage at times. Um, but they're all fiddling with the carburetor and having issues left and right. The only thing we touched was suspension. And to, like, think about that, the temperature was, I mean, from the middle of the day to the night was probably 15, 20-degree difference. Yeah. The bike with that left-run car was absolutely perfect the whole time. Like, I gained so much trust in it because <laughs> I actually started being able to seat bounce obstacles, um, come off the gate strong. We're like, yeah, first four or five times I'm a little nervous. Like, Oh, what if I go to pin it off this gate and this thing just fogs and I fall in this hole. It's like little things that on a four stroke you wouldn't worry about. Um, but I was able to build that confidence and seeing everyone around me playing around with all that stuff. Meanwhile, I'm on a 14 year old bike and the only thing we're adjusting is suspension. It was a good feeling. But uh, we had outdoor suspension, which I'd, I'd say that was probably single-handedly the, the biggest disadvantage. But all in all, we still, I mean, we made everything work. And having my mechanic, Jeremiah, there to just, I, uh, of anybody that's in my corner, like, he could tell me something. Anyone can tell me something, and I could kind of brush it off. There's times where I just feel like I know what's best for me, and that's that. Um, but Jeremiah, when he says something, I really, really listen. He said... You, you need to do this two, two, three. You 100% can do it. Like, do it now. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and normally I'd be like, no, it's not possible. Like, I'm not doing it. I know I can't do it. I just had this belief that, like, if he told me to do it, and I knew I was going to make it. So 
I don't know. It was just such a fun day. That's awesome, man. Like smiling ear to ear. Every single picture that you guys have is exactly that. It's it's uh, it was a special weekend for you guys, and uh, I, I just I I wish I was there. Honestly, it was ridiculous. I, I should be at this event where uh, AJ, you take second. Kind of take us through the event itself, the qualifying, take getting the track down, and eventually uh, squaring off with uh, Carson Brown, who uh, probably spends as much time on a 450 as he spends on a 125 is as much time as he spends on a pit bike is as much time as he spends on a 252 stroke. So the, the, the guy is, he spends a ton of time. He on just rides bike. a lot. Oh yeah. No, yeah. The nonstop. I was, so. I was talking to him before the final and he yeah. goes, um, yeah, you know, I just, I just try to burn five gallons of fuel a day. That's kind of my thing. I'm like five gallons of fuel every day. I'm like, I look me and Jeremiah look at each other. I'm like, I have not burned five gallons of fuel since April collectively <laughs> like I've ridden, I've ridden a dirt bike five times now since Vegas Supercross in May yeah um so that seat time pays off I mean it definitely does Carson Brown's a good rider don't get me wrong oh yeah um and but he's he gonna go to ride like, like, I, I, I don't try. think if nobody right. came to film him he'd just ride and ride and ride and ride and ride right which is that alone is gonna take him really far yeah um Seat time, seat time is the most important thing, and it's single-handedly the biggest thing that I've lacked in my career. Um, I've been lucky to be one of those rare few, I think, that can just kind of go out and do stuff without having ridden, which is rare, but I'm never at the top of my game, which is sad to say, but and especially right now, I have so many obligations, and I really want to put focus in. This actually gave me that little bit of confidence maybe that I needed to um, just start going all in for 19 and just making things happen. But um, as far as like the straight rhythm goes and the course and getting used to everything, it is surprisingly difficult. Like it, without a turn, you get so lost on the track. I would imagine said, all right, we're, like a, a scrub, a scrub face looks a lot like a triple face. So you're like, do I send this or scrub? <laughs> well, and you get to it and you can't see past it. So you, think and all of them were different lengths by like a foot or two so one of them you might scrub and it's a two-foot jump the other one you might scrub and it's four and a half feet so like uh, on a 125 if you scrub the four and a half foot one thing it's a two-footer you come up two feet short hang your rear wheel you're not going to clear the next obstacle no um you have to be perfectly precise i had actually dave was my biggest critique on why aren't you scrubbing enough um, <laughs> and my argument kind of back to that was the bike is the, all those one twenty. when I say the bike is slow, I don't mean my, I'm talking to any 125 is slow, um, relatively speaking to what we're on normally. When you go sideways and you throw all that, like when you throw the bike sideways off a three foot jump, chances are it's not coming back perfectly straight. You're laying a little sideways, you're hanging a rear wheel. The time that you've made up on that scrub chances are you're going to lose it and then some on the landing. So I can scrub, I think, with the best of them. Um, but my whole, my whole game plan was just get, get the wheel back on the ground, keep the thing straight, make sure I'm hitting my marks. It's like playing a video game. It's actually like playing Mad Skills Motocross, which I don't play because it's too frustrating. But <laughs> if you mess up in the slightest bit, you're screwed. So it's like a game in that sense where you're, you're – trying to land a rear wheel, trying to get traction. And the more comfortable we got with the track, 
the more everyone was attacking it. So like by the time Carson and I got to that final, it really, it almost, it felt, and it almost looked like watching a video. It just, it's so cool. I can't, hopefully they have it again next year because I'm excited for it already. Oh, heck yeah. This thing's going nowhere. Uh, and, uh, and, and good on you for, for getting yourself some hardware. I know that uh, you were happy to be a part of it as well. I know you're happy to be a part of uh, the collective experience. Like, how cool is it to have fans, uh, basically, they contribute, they pay good money and because they want to be a fly on the wall. They want to be a part of your program for a day. And uh, I know you've been really welcoming to that over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's awesome from both sides. So as a privateer, we get that little bit of extra attention from the fans, which doesn't hurt, and you get a little bit of extra cash in our pocket, which doesn't hurt. Um, and from a fan perspective, I think there's been opportunities for them in the past maybe to do this through Feld or other places, but it's not it's not a hands-on experience like it is with the collective experience and like it is with us. Like, I'm talking, you sign up um, under me, and you're a part of the team. Like you're, you're wiping down the bike. You're going to line with me. You're reviewing footage after practice and qualifying. Um, you're thrown right into the mix. So if, if you're a fan on the outside looking in and you want to get involved, there's absolutely no better way to do it. Hundred percent, Dave. And I know, like, uh, you you can't say enough good things about working with the cat. The guy's just so welcoming, warm, and just it just like so inclusive. And I think, like, uh, I think there's more than a few motocross racers who could probably learn from a guy like AJ about just being able to be well spoken and communicate with their fans. Uh, kind of uh, like you're you're like along with the the Entic Naps, almost kind of a poster boy for the whole program. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't have to do much when it's like AJ or, um, or like the Etsy nap. <laughs> uh, can you hear me? No, I can hear you. You just took a second to. Uh, okay. I thought maybe we had to wake you <laughs> up there. No, sorry, no. I was. Uh, I don't know. Maybe my, maybe my phone's like going wonky. Um, but no, um, yeah. When when AJ comes aboard, man, it's it's. Um, I don't really have to do much, you know. Um, he's the same with the Ensign Naps. I mean, those guys are so professional, and um, you know, AJ AJ really knows his his, um, his own personal program really well and communicates um, everything. You know, hey, when he does need that ten minutes of alone time, or hey, you know, I think I, this fan would really like this one thing, um, you know, a lot more than this one thing. You know, he's always giving me input, and um, yeah, he's awesome, awesome guy to, to have on, on board and um, fans absolutely love him. I mean, even fans that really may not be as familiar with him when they first sign up, um, when, once they, you know, once they go through their day and kind of interact with him, they be, they're, they're full-blown AJ Cat diehards, trust me. I mean, I get the emails and the text messages after and um, they go absolutely crazy for him. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, feel really blessed to have him on the program and, um, yeah, we're looking for a lot more opportunities uh, in the future to um, you know, to strengthen his his pro, his personal program, get him the resources and funding that he needs, and um, you know, get him as far as we can. Absolutely, and uh, and and wherever AJ goes, he will have uh, good support because he's he's a, a just a just a well spoken athlete who uh, who knows how to to entertain now and and, and obviously in doing so, a, a James Stewart tribute is in those cards. Uh, but let, let's talk to the let's talk a little bit about and let's talk to the guy who uh, supplied the motorcycle uh, before he bring, we bring him on the show. Uh, AJ, what uh, um, what, what can you say about Spencer Luxak? Yeah, I saw Spencer's I, I, as with anyone. I think I, I saw his bike floating around on Instagram and instantly thought it was the most beautiful 125 I'd ever seen. 
Um, so after I spoke to Jeremy, I'm like, well, let's see. I'll just send him a message. Maybe I'll ask to write it. He won't respond, but I'll send it anyway. So send him the message. He responds right away and was all into the idea. So we started making things happen. I went to his house um, near Park City, Utah to film the video, which along with the bike, it's probably the most, uh, not probably, it is the most beautiful track I've ever ridden. Um, he just doesn't half-ass anything. Like anything he does, you can trust that it's going to be 100% commitment, which is awesome. I think you see a lot of people try to dabble in too many things or promise you things that they can't get you. Um, and I knew going into this that I was going to be on the best bike and I knew going to his track that I was going to be on the best track. Um, so that, uh, that really just speaks for itself. Yeah, absolutely. The, the bike uh, looked awesome, sounded awesome, and like you said, it was pretty uh, like uh, the, the opposite of finicky. You're able to, to make something special happen with it, and that's uh, really cool. And I, I just I love the whole scenario, and I just love how much all the media outlets just absolutely embrace this whole program and really put a great spotlight on on everything that you guys are doing. And even the from the kit, not obviously being a, a tribute kit, it wasn't an absolute just total replica. Uh, the gear, I was personally ha happy to see you in in Fox gear because uh, it's a really really good gear. It was uh, it was like the it was just like the like for the for the video itself. And then uh, who came up? with this, uh, the zebra print stuff, because that, that's, that, that's not standard issue. No, uh, Michael Lee at Canvas MX oh. and, uh, Chuck brothers put it together and, uh, it came out so good. So I got to thank those guys as well. I mean, they, they made it happen quick. They didn't have a lot of time to get it done. They had, it was being shipped from overseas and, um, I didn't really even get a chance to see a proof of it. So it basically just, I picked it up two days before the event, opened up the bag, and just crossed my fingers that it fit. But uh, <laughs> everything worked out perfectly. It, it, it really did. Watching it back, like I got back on today, I landed off the flight, and uh, laid down and watched it. And other than the fact that for some reason I look really darn tall on that bike. Yes, you do. And I also, this is just typical of me, I, I always look like I'm going really slow. Even if I'm sometimes going fast, I just always look like I'm going slow. Even when you're going slow. Other than that, like, right. <laughs> I, even when I'm going slow. <laughs> it's my specialty. I, I'm really good at going slow. Wow. But it, it looks like Stuart. And it's so cool. And then I get done, I'm doing, I mean, even watching myself do it, I don't remember doing it. It's just like I went blank. I blacked out. But uh, you watch it back and it's like, wow, that is, that's pretty cool. And yeah, I just, like, all I want, I want JS7 to like one photo and it'll make this whole project worth like it. Like the real JS7 <laughs> just likes one photo of you doing, doing, that's it. Doing doesn't, him. Doesn't have to comment. Doesn't have to call me. Like just, no, just redownload Instagram. Cause I'm sure he doesn't have it anymore. Just like one photo. I, I could probably, I could probably text Roger Larson to go on James's account and like it for you. <laughs> as long as I see the account pop up, I don't care if it's a bot doing it. It's Perfect. I'm well, gonna screenshot uh, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, screen that, shot that, and be happy for the rest of your life that the that, that the <laughs> communication has been made, and he was approving of your rendition of his work. And uh, yeah, totally surreal to see you riding it. Uh, we're gonna throw it to commercial break right quick here on the Big MX Radio podcast. But when we come back, 
the owner of the motorcycle himself. If not for him, the program probably wouldn't have come together. We're going to call up Spencer Luxak just after these. We'll be right back on the Big MX Radio podcast with Dave Drakes, AJ Catanzaro, a.k.a. James Stewart, Bubblicious himself, and, of course, Spencer Luxak. We'll be right back. Since 1973, FMF has been about getting more out of riding motorcycles. More power, more wins, more fun. For 39 years, we've been rolling up our sleeves, building our factory, engineering and manufacturing the world's finest performance exhausts. Innovation and American craftsmanship makes FMF today's leader in performance. back a big mx radio podcast started with two guys on the line then we added the aj catanzaro aka bubblicious himself for your middle segment now into the third period because i am canadian and use hockey references on my motocross podcast now we have spencer luzak the owner of this beautiful 2004 kx125 and uh, this has been uh, probably one of the most viewed photos, um, viewed motorcycles in the motocross industry in the last three three weeks. Uh, Spencer, what does it mean to you to have so many eyeballs, so many approving eyeballs on your beautiful KX125, a bike that I'm sure you hold near and dear to your heart? You know, I'd like to say it's a dream come true, but quite literally it's exactly what it is i i set out three years ago to build a dream bike not only for me but a tribute to my dad and everyone in the race community who misses you know the the old sounds and smells of these 125s and after two years and 30 grand later we finally made that dream a reality and who knew that i'd be getting a call a call from a complete stranger on the other side of the of the country to go race red ball straight rhythm and sure enough we make it to the finals and She's on display for the world to see. So I, it's, it's really surreal. It hasn't set in yet, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, really proud of what we've been able to do and really grateful for the people in the industry that helped me not only build the bike but make this dream into a reality. For sure. Like um, making this come alive and, and maybe, uh, AJ, you kind of got into it a little bit on uh, how, like you, you sent uh, Spencer a direct message conversations start i'm sure everyone starts to get excited especially dave drakes because he's going to be basically a fly on the wall for all of this and and uh dave being a huge possibly the biggest james stewart fan under the sun uh to be on along for the ride for all of this aj how did like when you when you first like got the like the thumbs up that this is actually going to happen what was that like for you well i think spencer would agree like I, we chatted right away i remember i was in whistler doing some mountain biking and I was sitting on the porch talking to him. And I think we were both so excited. And it was kind of that moment came of like, uh, where do we start? And for a privateer to add even a single event to the schedule, it's tough. I mean, financially, it's tough to have to come up with uh, logistically getting it all together, funding it, um, starting a program from the ground up just for one event. It's driving across the country, flying across the country to get there, it's not easy. But honestly, God, it couldn't have ended up any better. The only way it could have ended up better is about 0.004 seconds faster in that, that last bracket race. But <laughs> other than that, it's basically a picture-perfect weekend. 
Absolutely. And Spencer, seeing the bike dressed up the way it is, of course, uh, the way you have it on a regular basis is more of a split-fire uh, pro-circuit rendition, but uh, uh, the, the James Stewart tribute uh, graphics, the great James Stewart cri tribute, uh, um, just the whole motif, um, and, and a, um, a brake line that we'll get into shortly. Um, how, how did, like, when this thing came alive, what were your thoughts just seeing uh, AJ ride it? And even he says when he sees himself riding, it's almost like seeing James on the motorcycle, being able to throw it around the way James did in his heyday. Um, like, that, that has got to almost be, like, more than a cherry on top to see, like, uh, it, like, this thing looks amazing sitting on the stand. It's another thing to see it winding through corners and twisting off of jumps the whole nine yards, the only way these top pros know how to do it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if anyone's never seen a 125 in person, they're going to think it's just a small, wimpy motor, you know, just another bike out there. But when you put a good rider behind a good bike, I mean, not only does the sound and the smell remind you of when you were a little kid watching all the pros, but you start seeing a number like 259 and you get the Zebra gear and the Chevy truck stuff on there. And then you watch AJ just start scrubbing things or diving into corners and throwing these nasty whips over jumps none of us wanted to move. I mean, my dad and I were working in the machines during the whole shoot and every now and again, I'd turn over and see him do stuff and I'd forget what I was doing and almost drive into a tree <laughs> in the machine because I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I got lost just watching him flow from jump to jump and coming out of the trees and out of the sand corners. I, I mean, it, it was fun. It's definitely something magical and I think everyone involved that day and at straight rhythm knew they were watching something special, not because we're trying to imitate someone, but, we're trying to pay homage to the great racers of, you know, our childhood heroes. And that's exactly what the cat was able to do. And I, I think he really did justice to James Stewart. He's not trying to pretend that he is him, but you watch a lot of the little moves that he does when he's stretching the bike out, when he's throwing the whips, he's looking over. I have a few uh, photos that my friend took on Saturday and it's almost uncanny to see some of the style similarities that AJ's kind of incorporated into his racing and, that for me, obviously seeing the two five nine and the gear and everything, if you weren't paying attention, you'd be like, okay, is that guy white? Is he black? Like who's under that helmet? And, that, and that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's just something really special. Um, and really happy to be a part of what he did. For sure. The bike looks right. Absolutely unreal. My, my, my only, uh, uh, the only like, like the, the, the one thing that people picked out, which I was like an absolute tragedy that they would, they would like just, the eyes would go to one thing and not just appreciate the whole all-encompassing awesomeness that was the bike. And I can't get you off the line without talking about the brake line. The front brake line that literally every second comment on the video uh, when it was put on Instagram for the first time had something to say about that. Um, like, it's, 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 it's unfortunate that that, that particular one part uh, what, like, seemed to distract so many people. What was the story behind that? Are you well, talking about when they post the comments? Yes. <laughs> well, comments yeah, I mean, we're, we're no guide. We were in a rush to sh we were in a rush to shoot the bike in the right lighting. We put the threw the bike up on the stand. I walked up to it to shoot that uh, the the teaser video. Yeah. And I mean, people always pick out something like that. People are making fun of dance moves, but <laughs> honestly, I thought they were pretty darn good. I think they were um, pretty good. I think. I think the only one making fun of dance moves are the kids that are maybe too young to understand the reference. 
Yeah, like they didn't watch then, James go uh, twenty three motos straight, uh, twenty three and one in the outdoors, uh, and 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 do the the worm and the sprinkler and all that fun stuff. You're always going to get that negative response from someone. Um, and what you realize, what I'm starting to realize is my social media presence grows is you just got to get used to it. <laughs> yes. Maybe read some of the comments here and there, <laughs> you know, give someone shit back every once in a while, but don't really take it to heart, you know, or you'll be sitting there stressing yourself out all day long. Fair enough. <laughs> it's Spencer, this thing was absolutely gorgeous. Um, like the the bike itself, uh, of course, it's got black rims because, like I said, it's more of a a, a pro circuit rendition. Um, but uh, just yep. to see the way the people have have embraced it, and I'm sure you've got uh, a DM list full of people who want to buy it off of you. Um, but uh, just speak to the like, just seeing the bike out there and how people are enjoying it, and just that nostalgia because I feel motocross is inherently nostalgic because we we get so attached to. Um, certain memories and certain eras because that's what we grew up with. That's what we was like. Uh, motocross is a very passionate sport. It's not. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for people who are just sort of into it. Um, if you're into it, you remember very specific details. And just to see people like just embrace the bike the way they did, what must have been really special for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, to me, it's it's artwork. I not only the time I put into it, but we're close to 500 hours just in research time on old blogs, posts, you know, all the write-ups and reviews on this bike from that year, what they wanted to do better, what they should have done better. You're right. I mean, yeah, it has black rims, not silver rims, but my first dream build was going to be the 0304 Pro Circuit team bikes. Right. Hence the black rims. And because it's not a replica build, I know a lot of people critique it and say, hey, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. I don't build replica bikes. I build tribute bikes, which means I have liberty to change little things based on how I want to pay homage to those bikes and those riders. So if anyone took a really close look at the old bikes versus what I did, there's a lot of similarities. I just put modern technology into it. So instead of regular Takasago Excel rims, we've got A60s with oversized spokes, carbon talon hubs, ceramic bearings, titanium axles, all titanium on the lower half. Well, they didn't run a lot of that back then because either they didn't have it or it was works magnesium or sandcast. And so there's bits and pieces that I changed on purpose, but that was after consulting with the best in the business. I mean, I've talked to Mitch Payton himself, Chad Watts, the engine builder, all these guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I knew that we were going to get a little bit of flack for changing it up, but we ran the 259 and AJ's graphic guy at Aggressive Graphics did a good job of taking his sponsors and making it look like the old bike. So from a distance, you couldn't tell that it was a different one. And obviously you don't see the Chevy truck symbol on there, but you see the people that got behind this build and obviously wanted them to be on there with some of my other sponsors that helped with the build themselves. So that was part of the give and take process was allowing them to run, you know, Max's tires versus Dunlop or running different plastics or different sponsors um, while still keeping the integrity of the build. And I'm actually saying, right now Roxanne's right next to me I'm already tearing her down and cleaning her up um, so yeah getting the plastics ready I've got a couple of fun little gifts I'm going to send over to AJ and the guys and you know so for me it, it's it's just that labor of love and I already know what I want to change on it and go back and I've already got a machinist helping me out with some parts and yeah we'll get a run in again so if, if they do two stroke only next year and AJ can race again 
she's going to come back bigger and faster. So, you know, we'll, we do what we can. There you go. And, uh, and, and perhaps one day uh, the, the, the real JS7 himself will uh, we'll acknowledge this build. I'm sure you know damn well he's seen it. You know he's seen the video, like AJ said before the break. Maybe he hasn't sauced out the like yet. You might have to comb through the, uh, the different uh, pages to see if maybe he, in fact, has uh, given it a little bit of love. But uh, um, like in, in the case of uh, like maybe all three of you can kind of touch on this, um, like I can assume that James Stewart has, in fact, seen this uh, starting with uh, with Spencer, what, what would you what would you hope that seeing the video and seeing the the, the tribute video as like from Utah as well as seeing it raced at straight rhythm, what would you hope kind of feelings that that would bring out uh, from uh, from a James Stewart watching because uh, like, it, it is a tribute to uh, all of the great experiences and all, all of the the memories that we have with that guy. Absolutely, and that's you know that's a great point you bring up. We did this not just for one person, but AJ's childhood hero and one of my heroes was James Stewart. Um, you know, I didn't know him personally, so I can only judge you know as far as what I can see, and you can't always trust what media tells you about a person. Um, but after meeting Big James last weekend, he actually signed one of the two five nine plates. Yes, and you know gave the nod. It was really. I, he was really, okay, if you've ever met him before, I of feel course. like he's just going to yep. tear someone apart. You know, it doesn't look like he's smiling. But when he came up, shook my hand, actually gave me a big hug. I thought I was going to get crushed. Um, and I just, I explained a little bit of the bike, showed him the number, explained what we were do- doing, and just wished his son well, you know, and Malcolm in his racing career, but told him we missed seeing him ride. And when he rode, it was electric. And he took risks that other people wouldn't. And he had such a different style that's why people liked him. And there's a lot of haters out there that will try and, you know, downplay him for not retiring or this, that, and the other. And, you know, for AJ and I, we look past that and we see the talent and the drive that he had and what he did on a bike was so unique. Um, especially for his time that I hope he remembers the good times and that he still has a lot of fans out there that really appreciate what he did for the sport. Um, elevated in the game, you know, all the products, the bikes, like, you name it. He had a huge impact. And that positive side is what I really wish personally to take out of it. And, and the bike itself uh, is, is just a little bit of a, you know, cherry on top to his career to remind people of the greats and why we ride bikes. Um, so, yeah, James, if you're listening to this, buddy, we love you. We hope your family's doing well. And what we put on for you last week was our little token of appreciation. So that's what I want him to remember. Awesome. That is very, very heartfelt and all too real. And I would love to find out whether or not James Stewart is the, uh, uh, a devout listener to the Big MX Radio podcast show. I can't imagine any other way he would keep up with the sport hearing me and Dave break down every race by race throughout the season. Uh, but uh, AJ, w- w- like, assuming uh, uh, James has, uh, has laid his eyes on uh, your rendition of, of his uh, uh, riding style and, and uh, the, the 259, the, the zebra print gear, the whole nine yards, uh, what would you hope that, uh, that uh, James is thinking when he sees you uh, doing your best impression of him? And I hope at some point you did grab the, fit, like the chin bar to adjust midair because if you don't do that, that's, that, is, that is a staple James Stewart move. <laughs> I'm sure he picked it up with from Carmichael at some point, but either way, that is a James Stewart thing. 
Yeah, well, what's funny is if anyone watches me ride, that's something that I do all the time. And I actually usually do it when I get uncomfortable. <laughs> um, it's just a way for me to try to, like, loosen my arms up. I just have a habit of dra grabbing, like, the chin part of my helmet and adjusting it for just no reason, like James did. And I, that's where I got it from. Um, so that's something that actually comes pretty natural to me. Uh, but, no, I think Spencer hit the nail on the head. It's just... It, it was an honor to be able to, to do it and to do it the right way and almost win the whole darn thing. Um, you know, I just hope he just watches it and brings back good memories for him and that uh, I don't need to, you know, hear from him really to know that it was a success. I think we, we did it the right way. We did it tastefully. And um, like Spencer said, we're we're not trying to pretend we're someone we're not or I'm not trying to pretend anybody I'm not. He was just growing up from the time I was five, six years old, going to Loretta Lynn's every single year, going to Minio's every year, going to all the nationals. He was, he, him along with a lot of other guys were my heroes. And even when he was on 85 on a super mini, he was doing jumps that no one else was doing. At Minio's, he was hitting the elevator jump that I think only one 125 guy was doing or one 250 guy was doing and he's hitting on a super mini. And that was just James. So, for me, he may not have been one that I necessarily um, mirrored my style after. I would say I mirrored my style after somebody more like a McGrath or a Kevin Windham that was a little less busy on the bike. Um, he's still just absolutely amazing and, and could do stuff that no one else, and w willing to try stuff that no one else would try. You know, there was a rhythm section at Straight Rhythm where I didn't jump until the bracket race, and... Anytime I had a doubt in my mind, I'm like, well, what would James do? Well, he, would he would jump, jump it. it. So let's, let's, let's jump it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And uh, so last but not least, Dave, you're uh, odds on the biggest James Stewart fan. Uh, definitely on this call, uh, if not the under the sun period. Uh, and, and you know that you've studied the guy. Uh, what do you think that James is thinking when he sees uh, the 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 259 roll out from underneath the uh, uh, like the canopy and, and out in front of all those fans and uh, just giving people a collective experience of just going down memory lane. I like how I just did that. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. First, yeah. <laughs> um, first off, I, I would I would hope that he thought this this whole thing was just badass. You know, like the rest of us did that. It was just super cool. Um, like, you know, you said it, like, you know, we're, we're all James Stewart fans. And um, I think, you know, one thing that I, that I personally hope he got out of it was just showing that, you know, he has fans um, that really appreciate what he did for the sport. And, you know, you've heard it a million times. People say that he, he did change the sport and he, he did just that, um, you know, with, between the, the riding style and the technique and just the flair, the persona that he brought. And, you know, I, I don't think people really realize it, but, you know, there weren't many kids that came up from amateurs that dominated that quickly. You know, now we've got all these, um, you know, different training facilities and different programs where we're used to seeing guys go from, uh, you know, straight from B class to top five in a, in a pro motocross race. And uh, back then, you know, when Ricky in his first year, he was getting, you know, 20th, 15th, something like that. And for, you know, a kid to come back and, you know, his first race and, and get what, like, win his second race in Supercross, that's pretty incredible. And just to do it with such flair and the gear, and um, he just he, he left a huge mark on the sport. He's forever changing. I don't think anyone's 
done that in the sport leading up to James and he ushered in a whole new era of, of, of motocross, I think, in my opinion. So um, I hope that he got out of it that, you know, we're all just, you know, we're, we're, we're huge fans. Um, he still has a lot of love in the sport. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he owes the sport anything. Um, I think, you know, he, he gave us, um, gave us all he could. And, um, and I, I hope he's just appreciative of, you know, the, the work we put in and, you know, it was all just to say thank you to him. Thank you to that era of racing. And um, I, I think we did a pretty good job at it. I think you guys did uh, did a fantastic job. All three of you should be super proud of uh, the product that you were able to bring to uh, to to the the race this last weekend. AJ on the riding side of things, uh, taking outdoor suspension off of Supercross triples and uh, scrubbing it, and then the video, uh, the, the the tribute video at you. At, Utah, as well as uh, your efforts this last weekend, where you ended up just about, like you said, about winning the damn thing. Uh, Spencer, the the time and the energy and the funds to just build that bike to what it's become and to uh, to dedicate yourself to it. And uh, and 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 Dave, well, you're just sort of a passenger and you didn't really contribute that much, but you're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was the. Uh... I was I was the guy that just uh, you know made sure I brushed off the gear and yeah. uh, picked up the trash and you know just sat in the back so that was good. But um yeah you know honestly I I want to give a huge shout out to the whole team. Um you know one one of AJ's strengths which I don't give him compliments all the time but one of his strengths is he always manages to find a great group of genuine people um, to keep around him and it was an absolute pleasure to partner up with so many people. Um, you know like Spencer and his family are absolutely incredible such a nicest giving passionate people and um you know rack racing and just all the other hands that were around um a lot of spencer's buddies and a lot of aj's um you know entourage quote unquote um it was just a great <laughs> positive vibe in the pits a great positive energy everybody was happy to see each other you know aj's mom was there giving everybody hugs and stuff and um yeah it was just shout out to everybody that 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 was there that night and that you know was part of it and, and um, really enjoyed it it was it was a lot a lot of fun Yes, sir. And uh, it's been fun to talk to you guys about it. Like, go down memory lane and just see how it all came together. I know anyone who watched that this last weekend is probably riddled with questions of where this bike came from, who built it, what's it all about. And I hope that we were able to answer those questions. And uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, Spencer for you coming on to kind of like, give a little bit of the background to the story from the bike. And uh, before, actually, before I let you go, like, did you own this bike? How long have you had this bike? Like, did you buy it afterwards? Is it your bike from 05? Like, how did that all come together? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, brief history. My dad, fortunate enough to ride as a factory satellite rider for Team Green back in the late 80s and early 90s. Oh, no big deal. So, I was born, I was, yeah, I was, I was born into the factory, I guess, Team Green outfit, if you will. Okay. Uh, but my dad didn't start till he was 20 years, 20 years old. And then three years later, made it back to Loretta Lynn's and took fifth overall in the 500 class. So, you know, he didn't come from it either, but got into it. And then I was kind of born into the whole race scene. And then fast forward years later, um, I graduated high school in 2005. So my last bikes that I owned, I guess, two strokes were KX125s. And then we had a 250. Um, so I always regretted selling those. But, you know, who knew that four strokes were going to take over so dominantly? And then 10 years later, before the two-strokes started coming alive again, and then now it seems to be a craze in a, a seller's market, um, I was like, you know, if I built a dream bike, what would it be? And for me, it was anything Kawasaki, so either Stewart's bike or the Pro Circuit bikes, and I really missed the, the silver and stuff, so that's why I kind of went that route. But 
did a lot of research, contacted people. I found this bike for a thousand dollars. Every bearing was seized. The motor was just thrashed. And wow. I thought, you know, I'll give her some love. Yeah, I, it, it was, it was in pretty bad shape. The only, the amazing thing, the only thing on the bike that worked and was somewhat clean was the carburetor, which didn't make sense to me. It got mentioned um, earlier today. That's funny. Yeah. So that, that was it. I started with the carburetor and not much else. So the only thing stock left on the bike, the main part of the frame, part of the subframe and the lower half of the engine cases, everything else we've either rebuilt, refabricated, you know, or done something to it. So what my initial budget was about six grand to build the bike can do a fun tribute to my dad and all the parents who got their kids into riding and, you know, Stuart himself. And two years later and close to 30 grand, it was, I don't know, it turned into a monster, but she's beautiful and she's fast. And, you know, AJ made her scream and <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what we did. You know, we, we took off and what started as an idea just became that much more special. So yes, it is my bike. I do own it. I, uh, I highly doubt I'll ever sell it unless maybe Jay Leno wants to put it in a collection somewhere. Who knows? Uh, that would be, that'd be a long shot. What if James Stewart um, wants to buy it? You know, if James himself called up and said, Hey, look, we'll strike a deal. We'll do this. I know exactly how I'd rebuild it again and do all that stuff. He would probably be one of the very few exceptions, but I mean, what an honor. I would definitely, I would definitely require that Adrian and Dave and I and the crew get flown down to his place and, make him ride the bike before he buys it. A little so test ride, a, a mandatory test action. drive. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, like, you know what? <laughs> I'll sell it to you on one, one condition. Yeah. And he's got to wear pink, pink gear. Yeah. And yeah. There'd be a few little stipulations I would throw in there, but other okay. than that, yeah, James would, I mean, that would be, that would be special. Yeah. Um, would. But, but for now, I'm just I wiping down right now. With the, next year. I think we should, I think you need to build a bike and then we just throw it up on eBay and start a bidding war. Because if you had any idea how many people asked me if they could buy that bike, (laughs) you'd be amazed. Yeah. Well, it's a very special bike. And honestly, my KX125 is about as stock as she gets. It's got uh, the Chevy trucks graphic on it, kit on it as, as well. But, uh, I, there's no amount of money that are separating me from my first, kx125 the first big bike i ever rode the first big bike ever owned um james stewart jay leno or uh mitch payton are not getting that thing out of my garage no way no how no amount of money uh i'll sleep in a box before uh laying next to my kx125 before i i get rid of it but uh boys it's been a pleasure to have all three of you on the show um this has been really cool I, i hope spencer that you've enjoyed it Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and AJ, I'm, sh- I'm glad that you were able to make some time for us and uh, stop pedaling for 10 minutes so we could do uh, this podcast with you. I think we're going to have to have you on in the next couple of months so we can kind of uh, stay up to date on the, the program of one uh, AJ Catanzaro because uh, some years we find you on a, a Blue Buffalo Yamaha only to switch to a 450 a few weeks later. Sometimes we find you 450 only. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we find you on a KX125. So uh, it, as the days yeah, go on, we, uh, we'll, 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 we'll uh, keep up to date. And, and Dave, you're on the podcast every other week. So uh, um, yeah, I, I know you enjoyed it. So it's good. Yeah, most definitely. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. I'm going to hit the hay. I yeah. got red eye flight. I'm happy. <laughs> 
Sweet. <laughs> but thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, AJ. You have yourself a great night. All right. Talk to you guys. Yep. There he goes off yeah. into the distance. And, and Spencer, we also appreciate your time. We'll uh, definitely be in contact with you. And uh, um, thank you for sending a picture of, of, of yourself posing with the bike. I'm going to post that on my Instagram uh, when I post the, uh, the, the link to this. And uh, it should be out tomorrow morning for all of your listening pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you making some time for us. No, thank you, man. Uh, it means a lot. I uh, know it takes a lot of people to come together to do this so we appreciate the highlight and the shout out um, I've, got, I've got more bikes on the way i think now that people know what i can build some of the magic helping so look forward to some some other renditions of some older bikes and some newer bikes coming out in the next year or two killer well uh, i sent you some pictures of my beautiful kx 125 so i hope you appreciate that and i appreciate you making some time for us and uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll leave it at that my friend awesome cheers have a good one Perfect. And, and then there were two. Dave Drake's, we're not totally finished with you just yet because uh, this, this podcast will be labeled as a, a bit of a, a review of the, uh, the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. And, uh, I got, and you were obviously on scene for it, probably more uh, involved with the, your program than watching all of the happenings of it. But uh, what were your, your main takeaways of the uh, mixing gas, hauling ass, and just how much excitement that people had around uh, this one-off race, totally two strokes, totally cool, and uh, it just looked like a fun weekend. Oh, most definitely. You know, um, if, if, I kinda, if I skipped motocross nations and went to this one, I would have said that this is probably one of the coolest races I've been to in a long time. Um, the energy was just electric in the place. Uh, it was my first time there. I really didn't know what to expect. Um, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. Honestly, Red Bull put on a great, great show. It was very professional, um, just really fan friendly. I think one of the coolest parts was that, you know, this being that this is an off, um, off season race, uh, uh, there were no rigs. It was really, really cool. It was just literally box fans, uh, small canopies and two strokes, um, kind of brought you back to that, you know, eighties, late seventies kind of feel when the sport was really young and, that was the epitome of factory was a box fan. And it kind of, kind of brought you back to that. Um, and that goes for all the riders, KTM, um, the TLD guys, Billow, all those guys had just, you know, just their super hooked up sprinter vans, a few toolboxes, and then a canopy. And I uh, really made them very accessible and fans are able to walk over and talk to Villo and shake his hand without having to worry about a huge line or, or big barriers. And they could go and talk to, um, you know, just any, any rider, Ronnie Mack or, or um, you know, Stank Dog, without some of that um, that that separation from the fans, which you know, being the collective, you know, I, I appreciate that aspect 100. Um, yeah, it was just it was a a lot of fun just seeing so many of those uh, beautiful bikes and Brian Dungey and Ryan Morris's factory KTM. I mean, you could stare at that bike all day. Just awesome to see those bikes. Just you know, big fat pipes beautiful orange frames. I mean, it was, it was a sight to see. And I, I really hope they do two shows in the future um, because that was, uh, it, it is, it has brought you back. And it was just, it was a, almost like a breath of fresh air and kind of broke up the monotony of, of moto lately. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, it's, it, it kind of gets stale sometimes and just having this in there really broke it up and, and brought, you know, new life and, and smelling that pre-mix. It was just, it was nice. It was definitely, uh, definitely much needed. 
for sure. A trip down memory lane. Uh, and then on, on top of that, we had some racing. Uh, I think there's some guys who uh, took it quasi-serious. There's some guys who didn't take it serious at all and just were out there to have fun. It didn't matter um, how how things kind of ended up in the end. Um as far as results go, but uh, people were trying to uh, to put their best foot forward, and I think it was pretty cool to see guys like Ryan Dungey come out, guys like Cedric Subaras come over from France to do it, Ryan Sipes uh, competing in his, uh, I guess it would be considered his fifth d- different discipline in uh, uh, this year, which is ridiculous, Josh Grant on a uh, on a 252 stroke, we had him on the show earlier today, that podcast is already available if you're listening to this one, uh, Cameron McAdoo, and of course your winner, uh, Shane McElrath, who uh, just, like, as as far as the, the competitive side going, obviously the, the two, uh, like, uh, most highly touted guys and guys that ride on a regular basis and do so at a, at a fast pace, um, Jordan Smith and, uh, and Shane, Shane McElrath, like those guys are, are serious about riding and they're serious about competing. Um, but it's just cool to see all of those characters come out, whether it be Christoph Porcel, uh, Kyle Partridge, even, uh, even Colton Eck. Like it was just a, a kind of a total all encompassing weekend of riding and enjoying it. And I, I think it was cool that you were able to make it. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. It was, uh, you know, I, I keep talking about it, but it was almost reminiscent of, um, you know, like that 02 to like 05 kind of um, stretch where, you know, even though you had riders of, you know, very, very different uh, backgrounds and levels of support, like you have your factory guys and you have the guys who are, who don't have it nearly as much support. Um, they still, the, those, privateer type guys, they still got a lot of attention and they were still pretty competitive. Um, even though, you know, they didn't have the big flashy, uh, you know, big flashy bikes around them or their, or their setups. So it was, it was really nice to see that. And it brought more attention to, you know, Oh, who is this partridge guy for a lot of people? Um, you know, or, Hey, who's, who's calling a, that, that guy's going pretty fast and he's not that far off of, you know, Dungey and Villapoto's times. And, um, it, it, I don't know, it just, it just brought it back to when, privateers were in the top five, like, you know, your Tyler Evans and, um, you know, Clark Styles and Justin Buckaloos and stuff like that, which for me, being a moto nerd, was, was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, the, the competition was, was absolutely amazing, just really, really fast. You, you honestly forget how fast those 250s can go because you're used to seeing, you know, four strokes all the time. But they're going just extremely, extremely fast. And the amount of uh, time that those guys had on the bike before getting ready for the race um, it just it just goes to show how uh, how really talented they are to be able to hop off of a four stroke factory bike and onto a two stroke and still make it look like they're going you know Mach ten is um, it's it's a pretty big feat. Oh, for sure, and like uh, Villapoto's um, like tribute to uh, Blood this is kind of like a uh, a Bradshaw mid eighties red and uh, white and red Yamaha that was epic. Uh, Christoph Purcell's totally Euro, um, Husky 252 stroke, uh, Josh Grant's, um, number 33 machine. That thing was looking so sick. Like you just see all, and like, uh, there was a couple of like one-off, uh, exhaust pipes that like, like, I don't know. I don't get excited about, uh, four stroke exhaust. I really don't. None of them look like they, like they really stand out unless they're like glowing purple. Um, like so, like the like Ryan Dungey's uh, exhaust pipe just looked badass. It looked mean, and uh, and same thing with uh, Villapoto's. Just so, just 
beautiful uh, motorcycles. Uh, I think maybe the the one thing that gets swept under the rug about all of this is uh, Ryan Morris, a guy who uh, basically was was retired early back in I think that was 2012 uh, with his incident with uh, Trey Kennard, um ends up racing and uh, and defeating your your uh, last year's champ Jared Steinke, uh wearing the number one doesn't even win a single pass. Uh, just showing just how fast Jeremy, uh, Ryan uh, Morris still is after all these years taking down the champ from last year. 100%. Um, and that it's, um, it's, it's really, it's really weird to say that, you know, that, um, that Ryan Morris is still like a fast guy and, and you know, he's, he's talented for sure. Uh, but to see him, you know, battling out with, uh, with some of those guys and, and, you know, practice and qualifying, watching him and Dungey go side by side and then throwing Mike Brown into the mix, that just all added to the, the majesty, if you will, of the race, you know. Um, you talked about the two-stroke pipes, and, I mean, I was drilling over um, that Soberos' bike for, I mean, 30 minutes looking at that cone pipe. And oh, yeah. I feel like almost every – yeah, it was, oh, it was beautiful. And I feel like almost every rider – had their own interpretation of, you know, the two-stroke glory day. So um, it, it didn't matter what level of rider, their bikes were freaking jewelry, you know. Um, you said mentioned Porcel's full Euro build in contrast to Villo's bike, which was a little bit different than, uh, you know, McAdoo's bike and Steinke. So it was, even though they were all two-strokes, it was everyone's own little flair, own little um, little marquee point of the bike. It was just uh, – it was a made a really unique race. You don't really, you don't see that anymore in, in motocross, and it just you know it, it really um, really made the event that much more special. And uh, you know the, the fact that we had guys come out of retirement just for this race and to ride two strokes. I mean, man, it put it over the top, one hundred percent. Absolutely, it did, and uh, I, I'm glad that this event exists. I'm glad that uh, it continues to uh, get better each year. And I think two strokes. Is is definitely a nice wrinkle. It's uh, it's something that uh, it's just it just it sets it apart from the rest of the races, and I think uh, it reminds people a little bit about those roots of the sport. And I, I think that it was cool that a lot of um, riders and teams and they like kind of like, kind of like not only did they they bring out the two strokes two strokes, but they spun the clocks back on a bunch of things. Luke Renslin coming out with uh, a, a MC edition uh, YZ125 and even running McGrath as a nameplate and the number plate, the, the numbers in the whole nine yards, super cool. Uh, I just love the whole thing, and I wish I was there. It's a bummer I wasn't there, but uh, yeah, this thing, this thing's way too cool. They need to keep doing uh, stuff like this, and... Um, yeah, like it, it, I, I can't say enough cool, cool things about this. This, is, this was really well done, and good to yeah, see Dungey it, come man. back too. By the way, that guy's like been almost completely MIA. He does some interviews here and there. He ha- shows up to a race or two. He does the St. Jude thing, but actually to see him ride, and actually it was weird to see him on a two-stroke because like for like I, I guess we it's weird. It's equally as weird to see Villapoto on a two-stroke because neither of them ever competed on one. But I for sure never saw. Um, like the last, the only time I've ever seen Ryan Dungey on a two-stroke would have been pictures of him riding a Suzuki 85 from back in like '04 ish. Like that's just kind of, or maybe even like '03. So that was that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, um, you know, just like I said, just going back to to having those guys come out of retirement and and and, and duke it out just it made the event super super special. And I think people forget. How fast Dungey is! That guy is an animal. I mean, 
especially he's great on the 450, but with a bike that has substantial power and it's just a little bit lighter than his, than his 450, a little bit more maneuverable, um, he was on fire. I mean, some of his practice runs were just left you awestruck, you know, and um, same goes for Villapoto and uh, watching those guys go back and forth and, and qualifying was really, really cool. And, um, you know, I, I got to be honest, I've always been more of a, uh, of a dungy kind of guy, but um, just after talking to Villo this past weekend and just seeing the way he is now interacting with his fans and that the pressure's off, he's in retirement and he doesn't have the fact he's being on his back. Um, he's great with, great with fans, love the fan interaction, uh, and, he, and just a great ambassador for the sport, I think, at this point where you didn't really see that, uh, you know, when he was in his prime and, you know, 2012, 2011 and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's really cool to see, uh, to see him kind of, Chilling now and, and Dungey, Dungey as well. You know they're more, uh, more fan oriented, more approachable now. And um, uh, that plus the two strokes just really, uh, really did it for a lot, a lot of fans. Uh, again, hats off to Red Bull for making this so accessible for fans and uh, really, really shaking it up. It was, it was awesome. Hell yeah, my friend, and uh, it was cool to see. Uh, I, I said on the top of the show, I'll take full credit for predicting correctly the uh, your overall winner. Shane McElrath uh, shows he can get the job done on uh, 250F or 250F in Supercross and and outdoors, winning a national this year. And then uh, I think honestly, he's kind of like a, I wouldn't say a dark horse pick because he's 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 held the points lead in two of the last. Uh, the last two years at some point, but I feel like next year uh, he might be one of those guys that's able to put it all together on the 250F and uh, clearly shows that uh, the guy knows how to mix some gas haul ass. He's got the talent all day for it. I, uh, you know, every year we, we might see him in Supercross get out to a little bit of a points lead in the first couple of rounds or, um, you know, get a little bit of a hot streak of podiums for outdoors or what have you, but he's never been able to really put it together and, and have a cohesive and consistent uh, run. So uh, I think that all just comes with, um, you know, just age and just uh, uh, getting, getting used to being that pressure cooker of a position where you're a red plate holder, um, you know, and, and you're trying to trying to make a run a long, a long season. So I, th- I think it'll happen. You've got some stiff competition, but um, if, if this is any indication of, of what, what's to come, then uh, we're, we're going to be in for a treat. Because he looks like he's hungry for it, and uh, it should make for a great season. Absolutely, my friend. Well, uh, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, it's uh, everyone should go to the collectivexp.com and uh, and find out more information on the collective experience. The collective experience XP is uh, is where you need to go to get signed up uh, to become a uh, just a like an all encompassing member of. Uh, a particular professional riders program for the day in either a supercross race or an outdoor race. Uh, always appreciate you coming on the show to uh, to give us your time, my friend. Oh, it's always a pleasure, man. You know, uh, I'll be on anytime you call. <laughs> Heck yeah, my friend. Well, uh, as always, thanks for coming on the show. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off. 